Adam Warlock was created by Earth scientists as an artificial, perfect human. For some time, he explored the cosmos, occasionally allying himself with heroes such as the Infinity Watch and the Guardians of the Galaxy. He had a dark side, however, and eventually, in order to prevent his evil self, Magus, from permanently taking over, he convinced Star-Lord to kill him. Recently, the Adam Warlock of an alternate reality was reborn in this reality with the help of Thanos, who has been both an ally and an enemy to Adam over the years. This alternate reality Adam has been reborn with vast power and knowledge, as he contains the energy of his former reality within him. But he did not realize the full extent of his new powers. Most recently, he was helping Thanos and the Guardians of the Galaxy in their attempt to thwart Annihilus from taking over the universe. But Annihilus banished Thanos to an empty void, the severely wounded Guardians were forced to retreat, and Warlock was taken prisoner. Until he found himself floating in unfamiliar space, lacking memories and desperate for answers. This story takes place between the events of the Thanos, the Infinity Relativity original graphic novel, and the forthcoming Thanos, the Infinity Finale original graphic novel. Hello and welcome back to Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos Podcast. I'm your host, Al Sedano. And this episode, we are back with issue two of the Infinity Entity, that little mini series that came sorry, that little weekly miniseries that came out in between the Thanos Infinity Relativity graphic novel and the Thanos the Infinity Finale graphic novel. And of course, if we're doing these Jim Starlin Thanos stories, well, who do you think's here but Brian? What's going on, Brian? Hello. Can I launch? Can I launch into my uh, my my first uh, uh, nerdy uh, digression right out the gate? Go for it. Because because just this morning, <laughs> just this morning, something that has absolutely nothing to do with the subject matter at hand, but is of enough uh, 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 geek relevance that I feel like our audience may appreciate the story. So I'll share this briefly by way of answering your question of how I'm doing. Because this is this is masterful layering of of geek obsessions. So as longtime listeners to this thread of revelations, the thread that involves me and Thanos and whatnot, as longtime listeners will may recall, I one of my other major geekeries is professional wrestling, specifically yes. Japanese professional wrestling. And one of the Japanese professional wrestling greats is a gentleman. I use the term ironically by the name of Minoru Suzuki. He is a legitimate badass with an MMA background. He is currently 51 years old, and he could still murder every single one of us. As a matter of fact, his, <laughs> um, his, his affectionate nickname amongst the entire fandom is Murder Grandpa. Um, so the funny so thing is... So he's Rocket. Yeah. 
Oh, he is. Yeah, he is something. He is something else. He's fantastic. So his in-ring persona is that of basically a sadistic Yakuza boss uh, of sorts. He has a crew that he rolls with and he just basically enjoys hurting people a lot. But if you follow him on social media, you realize that this that it is just an act and that in real life, as it were, he is like one of those like coolest, sweetest, most normal human beings on the planet. And one of the things that I sort of was made aware of by following him on social media, he has an obsession with, well, with looking cool. But in, in amongst all of that, he has an obsession with these these socks. Uh, the brand is called Stance. They're a little higher end, a little pricier than the big bag of Hanes uh, uh, white crew socks that you buy a 12 pack of at a you know, JC Penny or whatever, but, um, they're very cool. They, uh, so I looked into them because, you know, when people you think are cool, think something is cool, you look at it and I figure I'm a grown, I'm a grown ass man. I can, you know, maybe afford a little something, a little higher quality, uh, when it comes to, uh, to my footwear. So I went and I looked and they, they really are, they're very comfortable. They're very well made. They're durable, blah, blah, blah. But they also come in an amazing variety of wacky like patterns, designs, what have you. Um, and they've got some, like there's some that are predictable. Hey, here's some major league baseball related ones with logos and stuff like that. And then there's some like a pair of socks that is literally like a giant head of Jimi Hendrix. And those are actually very badass and cool, and I love them. So I subscribe. They have a subscription program where every like three months you uh, you get two free. Well, not free. You you pay the subscription price, and then under that, every three months you get to select two pairs of socks that will come to you to replenish your collection. And that's I'm like like I said, I'm a grown ass man. This is a thing I can do. So I subscribed. Yeah. And my new shipment of stance socks just arrived this morning. And here's where the, the nerdy layering comes in because I need to share that the pair of one of the pairs that I received just this morning is a big Lebowski pair of socks. I swear to you, <laughs> they are like cream and gold and they have a little, they have an image of a white Russian, an image of a bowling ball and pins. And on them, they say the dude abides. Well, that could be anything. And, <laughs> and and I literally love them more than life itself. And I'm so happy to have them. And I have these big Lebowski socks, these expensive big Lebowski socks, because a middle-aged professional wrestler from Japan showed them to me. Well, the, 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 the brand anyway, not these specific socks. And I just had to say, this might be the nerdiest thing I've ever done in my entire life. And if ever there was my tribe to appreciate that it's you, Al and the listeners. So I had to share now my, my windy digression is over and we can get to the business at hand if you wish, or you can go on one yourself. Go. (laughs) I return the floor to you. Because all because of Murder Grandpa. Exactly. Murder Grandpa and Brian's socks. Or apparently, according to what I'm seeing, because I typed in Murder Grandpa, and yeah, he comes up, uh, handsome <laughs> boy, as he used to be called. Oh, he used to be. When he had hair, like, that's the funny thing. Like, back when he was fighting in MMA, and when he was a young man, he had this, like, incredible pompadour, and he was, like, a relatively good-looking guy. And now that he's reached middle age, he sort of shaves his head in these sort of, like, badass street styles yeah, and that. he has this 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 absolutely evil 
like look on his face. And I am legit scared of the man. Like there are few legitimately scarier human beings on the planet than Minoru Suzuki. So, <laughs> but he is fantastic and he's very, very, very good at what he does. Very entertaining. I always enjoy, uh, when he, uh, is on my TV screen. Hey, as long as at least what they get, what they suggested and that you've tried is something you like and it's not just, oh, well, that was a waste of my money. Yeah, no, no, definitely not a waste of my money. In fact, uh, my wife, the Empress, uh, has uh, uh, begun a subscription of her own because she's like, well, those are excellent socks and I'm a grown ass woman, so I can do this too. Ha ha. I can buy them if I want to. <laughs> I don't have to ask for permission. You know? <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing we have to remember sometimes. Like, oh, yeah, we're grownups. If I want this, I buy this. Well, and it's not just I want this, I buy this. But it's also like, you know, I am allowed to, like, want to do things at a slightly more, like, sophisticated or serious level than I did when I was, like, a high school or college student. It's like getting for, – for, for me especially, you know, it's like it's often hard to – you know, I'm still, in, I'm still reading and podcasting about comic books. I love professional wrestling. It's like – Sometimes it's like, ah, I'm this giant overgrown middle-aged child. And then sometimes I'm like, no, no, I'm not. I'm an actual adult on occasion. And I am occasionally allowed to act like it. So it's, it's there you go. Deep thoughts for uh, an episode of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, we are occasionally allowed to act like it. And I even less occasionally will act like it. Yes. <laughs> Just because I can doesn't mean I will. You can't make me. Exactly. And speaking of overgrown children, we are talking about Thanos and Adam Warlocks. That kind of works. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, what is Thanos? It's not a petulant child at half the time. Oh, easily, easily. More than half the time. Well, depends on how you interpret We will get I to that. I want to murder half the universe. <laughs> speaking of murder grandpas, haha, I tied it in. That's true. Oh, God, imagine him as a grandpa. Well, he's very, very old and. And he does well. Well, wait, he did have a kid, right? He did have a son. He does have, he does have biological children. Yeah, there was yeah. a thing. Yeah, right. Exactly. So and so theoretically, he could be a grandpa. I don't know what Thane's been up to, but besides trying to kill his father. But that was a very separate. Sure. That was that was some Jonathan Hickman lunacy. So we won't even go there. Yeah, we're not there yet. So we don't know if he has other children. What else he has? But I mean, as far as we know, uh, Gamora and Nebula don't have kids. Right. Because that would be the other possibility. True that. I forgot about that. I'll, yeah. Yeah. Family is family. Yep. But so speaking of Thanos, so he is big on the cover. Um, what cover does it show you? Because I, ha I have the actual book. Oh, so I okay. have the regular cover, which is the Alan Davis, Mark Farmer one. Yeah, that's the one I'm looking at in the collection. I am, for purposes of our audience's elucidation, I am reading this as part of the Infinity Entity uh, collection, which is the trilogy collected, but for reasons that will actually become clear over the course of this episode's discussion, before that trilogy in the collection, they put uh, Thanos Annual Number One, the uh, yeah, Jim Starlin, Ron Lim Annual, um, and because stuff that happens in there becomes relevant in here, and it's even kind of referenced on the cover here, although I didn't pick up on it until after I had read the issue and gone back to the cover. I'm like, oh, yeah. That's what I'm looking at. So what I'm looking at is uh, Thanos standing atop a pile of apparently dead warlocks. Yeah, and it's all the different versions. We got, let's right. see, I can see going from what, left to right, we got him. Uh, actually, it it, like... him's, for me, him's all the way on the right. Oh, wait, I'm... 
I was actually looking at it, and I still said left. I meant right to left. <laughs> okay. Well, it's it's entirely possible they could have flipped the image for the uh, collection, you know? Yeah, but we, it's uh, him, and then it looks like the one from Warlock and the Infinity Watch. With the skull brooch? Yeah. And then... And also, next, well, the black, and the black and red costume. Okay. And then there's the um, the lightning bolt, the Shazam uh, knockoff uh, Roy Thomas Gil Kane warlock. Yeah. And um, underneath him looks like the current version of warlock from these graphic novels with that that weird symbol on his chest yeah it's like it's it's a cross between a uh a ringed planet and an infinity symbol it's like if a planet was ringed by a infinity symbol which i'm sure has a more sophisticated academic name but i'm not aware of it right now but if it had like that that sideways eight infinity symbol if a planet was actually ringed by such a thing that would kind of be the the symbol that is uh adam's current sigil it was at this point that the tablet i was using to record decided to go to sleep and disconnect me from the call for the first time you heard me right the first time (sighs) oh slightly more but more sophisticated Okay. That wasn't me being cut off. That was pretty much what I heard. Yeah. Sophisticated. Okay. Okay, I gotcha. Okay. So I will, uh, I will, I will, uh, I will reiterate that and you can sort of stitch it together as best you can. Okay. So I'm going to just pay pay attention where it says how long it's been recording and every three minutes I'm just going to tap the screen. There you go. There you go. Okay. So I will resume my point. So yeah, the, 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 his current symbol, it looks like I'm, planet surrounded by uh, an infinity sign, uh, the sideways eight infinity sign, which I guess if there is a, a, a better, more academic name for that thing than I know, but I don't know it. So I'm going to call it the sideways eight infinity symbol. But uh, if a planet was ringed by that thing, uh, that's kind of the image that is Adam's yeah. current sigil. Yeah. And then above him is the seven, late seventies warlock. Okay. That also had the cape. That also had the skull brooch and the cape, but you can tell the difference because he had the white. He had a yellow collar. Oh, and interesting. Adam, and Adam, after Infinity Gauntlet, had a red collar. That is why you are the host of this podcast. That is a detail I don't know that I would have picked up on. So that's why. Uh, that's why you are the master, and I am still the Padawan. <laughs> and so the alternate cover, by the way, this one had a variant cover by Ron Lim, mm-hmm. and Andy Smith. And it's more of a no because this symbol is symbolic, but let's face it, it really doesn't exactly have much to do with what actually happens in the issue. Okay. Well, I mean, like nothing. Well, speci- I mean, maybe thematically, but nothing specific. This is I, not a scene that happens or an event that happens. Okay. You know, but the the uh, the variant cover is the current version of Warlock that's going to appear in this issue. Uh huh. In front of a dead mummified Galactus. Yes. Yeah, I just I just scooched to, to the back of the uh, of the collection, and yeah, it has the all of the all, it has the cover gallery in the back, and I'm looking at that alternate the image of that, and that is uh, some disturbing stuff. It's not exactly the same as the issue image we're going to get in the issue, but it's pretty close. Yeah, well, I'll 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 get to that, and I'll I'll reference that when we get to that point in the issue. But it is spoiler. Yeah, well, so let's not spoil anything, so hold on a second while I drop the synopsis right in here, so people know what's going on. Maybe even throw a promo, too. Infinity Entity number two. 
Overload. Written by Jim Starlin. Pencils, Alan Davis. Inks, Mark Farmer. Colors by Will Quintana. Letters, VCs, Joe Sabino. Assistant Editor, Alana Smith. Editor, Tom Brevoort with Will Moss. Cover Art by Alan Davis, Mark Farmer, and Jordan Boyd. Variant Cover, Ron Lim, Andy Smith, and Matt Yaki. Cover Price, $3.99. Cover Dated May 2016. On Sale Date was March 16, 2016. You can find this reprinted in the Infinity Entity trade paperback from 2016, as well as digitally on Comixology and Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited. As we saw at the end of the last issue, Adam is being confronted by the Inbetweener. The Inbetweener is attempting to destroy Adam for unknown reasons. He is very passionate about them, but Adam is unable to get him to actually reveal them. Adam, however, proposes a truce, asking the Inbetweener to actually explain what his problem is. Hopefully, that will fill in some of the gaps in Adam's memory, and they can come to an understanding that will appease both of them. The Inbetweener agrees. For two panels and then goes back to ranting and screaming. And then he explodes. More like shatters into millions of pieces. Adam says he was forcibly ejected from this plane of actuality, but he's not sure why. Adam then has another memory flash and remembers someone else who could help him, Thanos. He decides to teleport Thanos to him, but Thanos is still in the same condition he was at the end of the Infinity Relativity graphic novel, headless and therefore dead. Not knowing what has caused Thanos' death, and feeling it is connected somehow to his own memory loss, Adam decides to investigate the other great powers in the cosmos. He finds Galactus, also dead. He then checks out some of the worlds in that galactic area. One of the Kree planets, the home world of the Shi'ar, Spartax, and the home of the Badoon. All dead. He then teleports to the moon to see Earth to find it just a lifeless rock. He then realizes he has traveled to the near future, he does see one other living being on the moon. Thanos, standing on top of a pile of bodies. Perhaps time traveling from before he died, or maybe something else. Either way, Adam then spots three other Thanoses from other points in time, watching the Thanos in the body pile. There is a bright light, and everything seems to vanish from existence. Except Adam, he is left alone in the nothingness. Until a portal appears before him, he steps through and finds himself in front of the great cosmic powers of the universe, including infinity, eternity, death, chaos, and order, among others. He asks them why they have summoned him. Eternity tells him they are there to ask him to not destroy the universe. Hey, Mike. Shaq, what, what are you doing in my house? I, I had a key made, but that's not important. Anyway, I just had a great idea for a trailer for that cute little network you do. The, the Fortress of Bailey Toot Podcasting Network? Yeah, that's the one. It's adorable. I love it. I mean, look at you. Like, with the network and stuff. Thanks. I, I, I think. Anyway, you know how people sometimes advertise something by, like, being extreme and suggesting that you just might die if you don't buy, like, a particular product or something? Yeah, I, I believe those people are called sadists. Sadists? That's one way you could say it. Or guy with a marketing degree. Kind of the same thing. Anyway, we could record a promo where I ask you something like, Mike, do you know who didn't listen to the Fortress of Bailey 2 Podcasting Network? Who? Gwen Stacy. Really? You know who else didn't listen to it? Who? Thomas and Martha Wayne. The Waynes? 
and Uncle Ben. Not the rice. Uncle Ben. And the entire planet of Krypton, except those that survived. What about Bucky or Jason Todd? Ooh, that's genius. Okay, we'll say they didn't listen, and then Superboy Prime punched a wall, and then they listened, and they were brought back to life. I guess we could also say that Aunt May subscribes and unsubscribes all the time. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Now you're catching on. I'm not doing that, Shag. I'm not going to suggest that people will die if they don't listen to the Fortress of Bailey-Tude podcasting network, which hosts such shows as From Crisis to Crisis, Overlook Dark Knight, Views from the Long Box, It All Comes Back to Superman, and Bailey's Batman Podcast, and that they can find the network at www.fortressofbailey2.com. Are you sure? I mean, I do have like a marketing degree and stuff. I'm, I'm pretty smart. No. Can I at least be in the trailer? Yes. The Fortress of Bailey Tude Podcasting Network. The repository of podcasts produced and hosted or co-hosted by Michael Bailey. Head on over to www.fortressofbailey2.com to download the shows directly. You can also find a master feed of all shows by searching for Fortress of Bailey Tude Podcasting Network on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher, or you can subscribe to the shows individually. The Fortress of Bailey Tude Podcasting Network does not suggest that not listening to any of these shows will prove fatal, nor does it endorse surreptitiously making a key to a friend's house for the purposes of busting in and suggesting ideas for podcast trailers. Music in this trailer by Kevin McLeod. All right, we're back now. And now we can dig in proper. Exactly. So, Infinity Entity Issue 2, Overload. Overload. So, when last we left our uh, intrepid, memory-troubled hero, uh, Adam Warlock of Universe Whatever, uh, of All and None at the same time or something, uh, he has been confronted by a very angry in-betweener. Isn't he always an angry in-betweener? I'm not sure. I have very limited... I remember being aware of the in-betweener back in the mid-80s, around the uh, time of the Secret Wars 2. Just when I was getting into comics, uh, seriously, as a collector, uh, Secret Wars 2 was going on, dating myself, and... (laughs) Um, right around that time, you know, if you were, if you were reading like Marvel age and there was no internet back then, or at least, you know, at least no internet, no common available to ordinary teenage kids like me internet. So if you, if you were reading Marvel age and you were reading the, uh, Ohatmu official handbook of the Marvel universe, um, you were, made aware right around that time because all of these cosmic concepts were prominent in a certain way so right around then i was introduced to all of these cosmic embodiment type characters infinity eternity the living tribunal chaos and order 
and the in-betweener. So I remember being aware of him all like from the very beginning of my serious comic fandom. But at the same time, I've not actually encountered him in story very much at all. So I am actually not familiar with whatever personality he may or may not have. So if you tell me that he's generally kind of uh, pissed off, I'm going to uh, accept that. Well, I'm trying to remember. I mean, I haven't read that much with him. He appears in the last he appears in the, the Warlock series by Starlin. He's the one that's going to change Warlock into the Amagus. Really? He's the one that's responsible for that. Yeah. And so that I believe that was his first appearance. And I know he had some issues with the Silver Surfer in the early issues of the Surfer's title, uh, the one from that started in like 88. Okay. And I know, I think he betrayed Chaos and Order a few times. He's He seems to be, maybe not angry is the word, but he seems to generally kind of be a jerk. Okay. Yeah, he's, he's not terribly personable, which is understandable given that he is an infinite entity. Yeah, but um, he's kind of just jerky, which we're going to see here in a minute. So he's ticked off at, at Warlock. Now, just before we get, dig into what's happening here, I just want to make a note on the art, which is very interesting. I'm not entirely sure why uh, Warlock appears to be melting slightly. Yeah, but he, like he's made of liquid almost. Right, but he is. And what that immediately reminded me of back in uh again going back to my very very younger days um and i first encountered it in a power records remember power records yes yeah so i first encountered it in a power records uh edition or whatever you want to call it that i loved um the monster of frankenstein Marvel's version of the Marvel's version of the monster of Frankenstein, um, which was condensed uh, like basically the first two issues, I think, were condensed in order to, well, I guess, take out some of the more disturbingly violent bits because these were marketed to a generally young ish audience. So even if it was a horror title, you didn't want it to be too, too horrifying. And once oh, I grew up and once I grew up and read the originals, I realized, wow, this was actually pretty damn horrifying. OK. Um, and another one that I had also as part of that Power Records series was um, Werewolf by Night. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was like the introduction of the werewolf by night. But it was also it folded in some stuff from way later on in the series, like all in this one book. But they like they brought in like stuff from way later on in the series where he uh, mixed it up with Dracula. Um, Yeah. Well, anyway, the reason I bring this up is because both of those comics, the issues of those comics that I was reading anyway, both of them were drawn by Mike Plug who was a fantastic yeah. artist in the 70s, uh, specialized in horror comics, although he, when I, he also did uh, the, 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 the strange, I believe he was the artist on the strange uh, fantasy series Weird World that was awesome. around in the late 70s, early 80s. Uh, oh. But anyway, it, that might have been him too. And then he gave up doing comics and he went and did like illustration work or whatever. And, but, but the reason I bring him up is because like his art was fantastic. He was like oh, the yeah. best at it. But one of the hallmarks of his work that I remember, like it, it just, it sets me off, which is why I'm bringing it up here is when he, when his characters were like sweating or emerging from liquid, like water or vat of chemicals or whatever, when they had any sort of wetness to them, he had this sort of, it almost looked like they like their their very 
corporeal essence was dripping off of them it wasn't just hey here's some water on top of you it's like you are actually like become liquid and dripping off and it's like it's just it's very striking and very very memorable and it is a thing that obviously made a strong impression on me and i carry with me to this day so when i saw alan davis's uh uh, take on this slightly melting effect for whatever reason that it's actually happening in story, I was immediately reminded of Mike Plug and his early 70s Marvel horror work, which is a good thing. I am always happy to be reminded of that. So, Oh, yeah. That's a, now, real quick, I'm just curious. Did you actually have the actual book and records? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so there was voicing to go along with it. And just to, to complete this part of the story, it is one of my one of my very, you know, earliest memories because I couldn't have even been 10 years old and I carry it with me for some reason. I'm not sure what, but for some reason, the the combination of the artwork and I guess the writing, the writing was by Roy Thomas and it was excellent. Um, the writing the artwork and the voice acting in these uh in these power records adaptations were so strong was created such a strong imaginative impression for me that i remember like thinking i remember being able there's a scene in the frankenstein one where you know Dr. Frankenstein has actually brought the monster to life and the monster's emerging from the vat of liquid that gave him life and I remember in that very scene being able to smell the chemicals like the it was so vivid and so well presented with the audio and the visuals that it like it crossed over into another one of my senses. And I can almost remember that chemical smell to <laughs> this day. All these years later, I can remember it. It was so strong. And that, I guess, is why I'm a fan of all this stuff, because when you take me somewhere that strongly man that is it's almost like a drug it's just give me more of that looking for the next high yeah yeah no i never had the actual power records i had they apparently put them out as like almost like a collection so i had an actual album i think okay. what 33 is the full album right yeah yeah 33 yeah. and a third is, is is an lp if you will yeah i had one of those and it had four of the power record stories on them two on each side Ooh. Ooh. but they didn't but you didn't have a book you just oh. had the audio Really? Oh, that's a shame. That's a shame because I remember I had I had a number of them. I also had a Hulk one. I had a Captain America one. I had I a had, Star Trek one, and they were just so yeah well, good, like to, to do the read along with. Oh, that was such good stuff. Yeah, mine had what Fantastic Four: The Way It Began, which is the thing basically re- reminiscing about the origin. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It was Captain America and the Falcon with against the Phoenix. That I had that Baron one. Zemo. I had that one. The and, name of your destroyer is Phoenix. Same difference, both in Arizona. Yes, exactly. The Falcon said that. I love that line. Remember that, it to this that, day. That's in my head every time I hear the word Phoenix. Or like yes. the other one says Phoenix. And that's why I hear the Falcon responding in my yep, head. Yep, yep, yep. Um, absolutely. It was the Hulk at bay, which was yes. against Yes, out of Hulk's face or Hulk will break it. And then it was Spider-Man against the Man-Wolf, mm. which I mm. think was like issue one t- reprinted. Like when I saw the cover of what it was, it was supposed to be like issue 124 or something like that. But without all the Gwen, with the Gwen stuff all taken out. Ah, uh, OK. OK. Because I'm, I'm assuming because I mean, I don't think I've actually read that issue, but I'm assuming if it's 124, mm. there's going to be things about Gwen Stacy in there. Absolutely. She died three issues ago. So and that was never in that power record story so i'm assuming that was all edited out 
Yeah, they 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 also did that to make them somewhat self-contained. Um, but yeah, you yeah, just need subplots. To, two two of them, two of them that I had was Incredible Hulk at Bay and uh, the Captain America versus the Phoenix. Um, it, which is weird though that they want to make them self-contained because that that Fantastic Four story ends with the thing going to look for the Mole Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and the Hulk one ends with him in captivity again, so it was kind of a cliffhanger, which I guess is in a way a good thing because it makes you want to go find what's the next piece of the story. But, you know, when you're a kid, you assume the next part of the story is going to be in another Power Records thing, and I don't think they ever made that. So get used to disappointment, kid. Exactly. But anyway, (laughs) uh, so apparently we're taking over Power Records podcast. Yes, I'm sorry. Yes. Whoever does the Power Records podcast, you guys, sorry, we we give it back to you. We'll we'll include a link to the notes to to this episode, and that way you'll get your royalties. The tablet decided to go to sleep and disconnect me again. Of course. Rather than have to deal with that a third or even a fourth time, I switched to calling Brian back using the Skype app on my phone. So if you hear any change in the audio, that's most likely why. Wanna rephrase that sauerkraut? The Falcon! Good guess, Tucson! The name of your destroyer is Phoenix! Same difference. They're both in Arizona. Falcon! I left you back. But anyway, so we were finished. Yeah, we just finished up saying sorry to the Power Records people. Uh, yeah. That's on the Fire and Water Network. Ah, okay. So we'll turn it back. We'll include a link and turn it back over to them, and they can re- they can reclaim their royalties. Exactly. Sorry, so guys. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So Adam's melting because um, the in betweeners freaking out about him. Yeah, he's like you know you, uh, um, he who travels the realms. He oh boy, he is this this guy is like I am the in betweener. He who travels the realm, separating the here from the there, the then from the now. Good, get over yourself, dude. Yes, you're enormous. Yes, you have a cool makeup job. Don't care. Yeah, and <laughs> as Adam says, it's perfect. Which means what? And what exactly are you attempting to do? He's like, okay, that's nice. Um, what the hell does that mean? So <laughs> who are you? His, What's going on? <laughs> for his sass, he is rewarded with a blast. Um, removing the aberration, which is you. <laughs> And it's like this, this big, like he, like I, I, it's very, it's very well drawn because he's so distorted by whatever the in-betweener does. It's like, it's clear that he's not just being struck by a physical force. Like his very reality is being attacked by whatever's happening. Yeah. And he's still, but he's still sassing. He's like, you interfere with my quest for enlightenment. It's like, you got your peanut butter in my chocolate. No, you got your chocolate and my peanut butter. Like, that's basically the argument these two are having, you know? And it's. Yeah. yeah. Except Adams at least is a little more. He's like, hey, I'm just trying to do this. And the Immatuner's like, you know, I'm not trying to attack you. And the Immatuner's like, I'm going to attack. Yes, but this is good. This is actually a very entertaining sequence here because, you know, the in-betweeners like, I don't care why you're doing what you're doing. Uh, I just I can't allow you to actually exist. And I love Warlock's response here. It's such a great line. You speak in-betweener, but communicate not like, yeah. man, if I, I would like to say that to people all the damn time. Oh, God, yeah. It's like, look, you're saying things, but you're not actually telling me anything. You're just giving me generalities. Give me a specific, what is it I am doing that is bothering you? Not just, you're you're existing in the here and now. Well, what does that mean? uh, You are. That is enough. 
dude, really? Like, we're having this whole social upheaval moment over this very thing. People's existence is not offensive. Go away. Check your privilege. Okay? Exactly. (laughs) But now he says something here that's making me wonder. Mm -hmm. So the in-betweener says, one cannot travel between dichotomies when one is within the other. Yes. Now, we know, based on what we know, we know this is not the version of Adam Warlock that was from the 616. This is... I forget, and I don't have the information in front of me right now, but this yeah. is that other universe, Adam Warlock. From right, that the one first that was created in novel. the Infinity Revelation or yeah. whichever. Who yeah. is, and as we learned in the last one, he contains the entirety. He's not just the Warlock that... Yeah, the thing was, was it that there was two Warlocks and two... Th- two Warlocks and two Thanoses, one, you know, one from our universe, one from the other one, and it was uh, the other, you know, our Thanos escaped, our Thanos lived, and so did our universe, and our Adam Warlock died. Mm-hmm. And that other universe died, but their Adam Warlock lived. Right. And then it's then we find out it's not just he's not just their Adam Warlock. He's that their Adam Warlock containing the entirety of that universe inside yeah, of him. He's not Adam Warlock from that universe. Adam okay. Warlock is that universe. I'm wondering now, and last we saw him, he was captured by Annihilus. Right. Is he somehow did he somehow cre- recreate a universe and that's what he's in? Because is that what the ter- that what the in-betweener means by you cannot be within the dichotomy? Like you are the universe and you're in the universe? That is actually an interesting point, and I would have to contemplate it further before I came to any conclusions on it. But it's as good an explanation as any. When I read that line, one cannot travel with between dichotomies, my initial interpretation of that line was this is an entire universe within – like here, here I'm in a universe, right? The in-betweener yeah. is in a universe. I don't, I'm not sure if it's the 616. It might be, um, but he's in a universe and Warlock is a universe inside the universe that the in-betweener is in. And I guess he's saying something like, I can't travel between universes when one universe is inside another universe, but you know, well, that that, be, that's possible, too, that he is in it's just that he's in the regular universe and he's since he's a universe himself. Right. So I, I thought maybe that was what he was talking about. But frankly, either is um, possible. Yeah. But actually, if, if it is yet further complicated, because that doesn't seem like, you know, not to get too quantum on everybody, but that doesn't seem like like I would imagine that that sort of thing happens all the time. Pocket universes like those aren't exactly new concepts. And I can't imagine that the in-betweener. This, this this powerful infinite entity whose task is to explore and comprehend he it, it, i would I, it, I wouldn't imagine like a, a mere pocket universe or you know whatever something like that would give him that much trouble but if we are having the additional complication of whatever dr bulgar is doing to the quote unquote real adam warlock um, he's trying to discover things. He's like my, my working theory right at this point in the story, not having read any further than issue two of the infinity entity. Yes, um, my current working theory is that everything, this whole memory loss search for consciousness, cosmic experience that warlock is having is basically something he is being made to experience by Dr. Bulgar in some way shape or form it might not be specific like bulgar might not be creating the specifics of the experience but bulgar is like catalyzing him to 
undergo some sort of mental or existential process so that Bolgar can learn something valuable from him. And as a result, um, the, the, the manifestation of that experience is what we are watching uh, Warlock go through. So that adds an additional sort of existential layer to what's going on here. So instead of just being a universe within a universe, he's a universe within a universe within an experience within another universe. And now we've got like wrinkles and quantum complexity that may just be weird enough to tick off the in-betweener and make him uh, uh, like, I can't do this. I don't like not being able to do things. And so I'm a, I'm a kick your ass. Yeah. <laughs> now we're in the, now we're in the matrix. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Right. That's a kind of, ex- like kind of, kind of layers upon layers upon layers. And, and it does sort of, uh, beg a Keanu esque. Whoa. <laughs> well, as, that a, says. As, as a reaction. Right. Yeah. Or as Adam says, what does that mean? <laughs> yes. I love that. I give up. What does that mean? <laughs> I, I love when they have them do something non-traditional. It's not yeah, just, yeah. okay, well, I'm here. We will fight. There was um, one of the recent episodes. I believe it was going to be the one that we did for, for Marvel 2 on Marvel 2 on Yeah, Marvel. No, Avengers Annual. That's mm-hmm. it. On the Friends and Enemy segment, we were talking about the Daredevil issue. And in it, there's a guy who's basically hunting Daredevil down to kill him. And after fighting for a few minutes, Daredevil's like, you know, knocks him down. And Daredevil's like... All right. Um, bye. <laughs> it's like all you're doing is trying to kill me. You're not committing crime. Going, I mean, technically, murder is a crime, which he's kind of forgetting. But it's like you're not committing other crimes. You're not going after people. You're not even using other people as bait. You're just trying to hit me. So I'm gonna leave. <laughs> Deuces. <laughs> and he's out. He's like he's I'm out. out. I mean, of course, there's more fighting later on. But you know, that's that's his first try. He's like, you know what? I don't need to. Just, I don't need to fight you just because you want to fight. I'm out of here. And I like sometimes when they'll do, you know, they're like, okay, there's no reason. Why are we doing this? And I like this here. Adam's like, okay, um, I'm giving up. <laughs> what do you want? Mm-hmm. What's going on? I'm not trying to hurt you. Can we just talk about this for five seconds? Right. Right. And well, that's about as long as they get because he tries to convince, he's trying to convince him between us. Like, look, you're pissy about something. I don't know what it is. I have no memory. Why don't you help me figure it out? And maybe I can stop it. <laughs> and the in-betweener gives it about a quarter of a second and then he goes nope nope this doesn't work <laughs> it's it's actually very reminiscent of the scene in a fish called wanda when uh otto played by kevin klein attempts to apologize and he just i'm so i'm so very f you f you like he just he can't say it like this <laughs> that's what this reminded me of like the in-betweener attempts for like three and a half seconds to, to, to not destroy Adam Warlock and like explain what's going on, but he just can't do this is not working. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, oh, okay, I'll, he's like, okay, that's a good idea. Let's not fight. We'll just talk, figure out what we can do to make this. No, never mind. I'm going to beat you up. And then, but then you turn the page and the in-betweener disintegrates and I'm with Warlock. Warlock's reaction is this great big, what? <laughs> yeah. He just becomes different. Yeah, he just, oh, that is so, that's so cool the way it looks like. He just all of a sudden shatters. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know, this is Alan Davis doing the art. And we haven't spoken a whole, whole lot in this, uh, in this uh, issue about the art. But I just need to reiterate what I mentioned last episode, which is that uh, Alan Davis is like top three all-time comic book artists for me. So, um, 
yeah, oh, the yeah. fact that the art is incredible, not surprising to me, not shocking me. Oh, yeah, no, it is gorgeous. I mean, the faces, the the uh, expressions, the storytelling. Absolutely. There's a, there's the a bit coming up that I'm going to uh, that I'm actually uh, there's a bit coming up that I'm actually going to love on and not give the credit to Alan Davis. But we'll get there when we get there. OK, actually. So actually, he wasn't destroyed. As Adam says, he was eject, forcibly ejected from this plane of actuality. Yep, and okay, so later for him, like basically that's it. We're done with him, but, but it has the, awakened the, the, new memories. So that does imply then that does make you wonder then what universe is this in? Was the was the in betweener sent back to the regular universe, or or was the in betweener kicked out of the regular universe? I think I see. Here's the thing. I think it is very telling. You know, I think Starlin is employing very, very specific word choices here, and I think it is very telling that he doesn't say dimension. Warlock doesn't say dimension or universe. He says plane of actuality. So I think even he is sensing on some level, this is just going back to my working theory, that this is all some sort of um, twisted, Mobius, folds within folds uh, thing that Bulgar is ultimately responsible for. Mm, Quite possibly, since that's where we last saw him. Right, and again, so he's saying plane of actuality instead of any of the other words that he could have used. And maybe that's just him like trying to be all highfalutin, but I suspect that that is a very deliberate word choice. He wasn't ejected from the universe. He wasn't ejected from this dimension. He was ejected from this plane of actuality. Well, that is something completely different. Yeah, and it also made him remember Thanos. He's like, ooh, that's a person who could help me. Yeah, and it's funny, I actually didn't think it was going to be Thanos. He actually says, There is one I once knew who regularly delved into esoteric realms and concepts such as these which now confound me. He is far removed from the astral norm and would surely be of great assistance in this manner. And I, like, I seriously, because I'm like, this is a, what is it, three, four issue miniseries? I forget. Four, yeah. Four issue miniseries. So we're like not even halfway through here. I figure we have lots more picaresque uh, uh episodic quest scenes to go through so i'm thinking okay we're not getting to thanos quite yet he's got to be talking about dr strange nope Ooh. or i was actually thinking before i looked at the next page i thought maybe the, he was going you know high evolutionary oh that that could be too like but i was i, I was i was definitely and we turned the page and this is the image i was talking about before that uh, uh, uh just a bit of artistically it's fantastic because it is it's such cool comic book storytelling in that we have three – the top half of the page basically is three panels. And the, the it's like a background and then two panels superimposed over that. And what's very cool about it is, okay, first of all – and this is the bit I was going to give credit to somebody besides Alan Davis for. Um, the Thanos head – like let's remember Thanos heads superimposed upon the universe – in the in ye olden days was like the sort of outliney thing and that was a very mm-hmm. cool effect for the 1970s oh from the uh, dug marvel that. issues right and from and from the um and from the avengers and marvel two and one um yeah. annuals as well um it was i think it was a starlin stunt like artistic stunt but it, whichever way you went it was very cool and i liked it this is sort of a modern day update on that and one of the things that makes it work really gorgeously is this sort of transparency and that is a digital coloring thing so that is entirely on will quintana who is the colorist for this issue so credit where credit is due and i give a shout out to will quintana for that that 
sort of digital coloring transparency effect that makes this updated version of the cosmic Thanos head cool. Yeah, and it also looks very much like the way his head is, looks on the cover for the, that was, for the graphic novels, especially yes. the first one. Yes, yes. But then to go back, and this is the part that you can give Alan Davis all the credit for, because, you know, the visual storytelling is entirely down to the artist on that level. Um, so in the background sort of top slash background image, you've got him zooming across the image of Thanos. And then in the two panels below that superimposed, you have further moments in time involving uh warlock so these are further in the sequential uh storytelling the 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 temporal sequence of of warlock and his story um and yet the thanos head lingers in the background of both of those panels right in place like it's one image and the lower half doesn't break or disrupt that it's such a, a a cool effect from a from a from a sequential storytelling standpoint and that is on alan davis so anyway you slice it the the artistic accomplishment here is definitely uh high and worth praising along with the writing that we've been talking about all along yeah no it reminds me a lot of um definitely i'm trying I, this is the one example i can think of but i know i'm sure there have been a few others uh i can think of like john byrne did it a few times back in the 70s and 80s where he would it's almost like he would draw a whole a whole background whether it was like a room or a forest or whatever and then break it up into panels and on each panel have the same characters doing different actions showing they're moving throughout mm-hmm. that room or throughout mm-hmm. that area but the area is still the same area so it's all just one background and that's kind of like, yeah, that's exactly what he's doing here. He draws, draws this whole Thanos back space and background of Thanos's head. And then there's little Adam Warlock's doing all different things all around it. Yeah, I love I, it. It's just it's cool. It works. Dig it. Exactly. So he's trying to find Thanos and he and doesn't know. Well, right. And I love this because he's starting to pick up on this weird sort of omnipotence that he has like before at first he was so in issue one he was so bewildered like his memory loss and he doesn't know like what's what where he is who these people are what he's doing and now he's it's like starting i like that he's like retaining memory of his not just the the, the memories of his quote-unquote prior life that are coming back to him i like that he's retaining memories of the experiences he's had so far in this miniseries and because he has displayed these strange uh, glimpses of omnipotence he sort of picks up on that and in an almost sassy way he's like well if whatever I want comes true, then I want Thanos to be somewhere, and I want that somewhere to be in front of me. How about yeah. that reality? Uh, yeah. like this, there is this sort of sneering sassiness to it that I kind of dig on. Yeah, yeah, because Thanos is nowhere. He he goes nowhere when he wants to find that. Go to where Thanos is, because Thanos is nowhere. Which would make sense if you know, because if Thanos is was left as we knew in some kind of pocket nowhere dimension from the. Uh, out of the uh, negative zone. Right, right, right. So he is nowhere. So now Adam brought him here. But of course, if we remember what happened to Thanos at the end, he uh, popped his head off. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he, he decapitated him. So now we've got a headless floating corpse with little bits of blood dribbling out. And it's all very like like floating in space with, the, with blood droplets. And it's kind of gruesome, but it's also kind of fantastic in a in a, in yeah. a in a cinematic kind of way almost you can see that little yeah, golden part that goes above thanos's forehead it goes on thanos's forehead on, on his uh, costume 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just floating there because you know his head went poof. And and again, this Thanos is like he's he's such. I mean, for lack of a better way to put it, like he's inherently such a dick. I just I love this. Well, he doesn't even go like oh my god or anything like that. He just goes oh, <laughs> well. I am clearly not going to be getting many answers from this source. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't going to help. Yeah, no, this is not going to help. Okay. Or am I? The mere presence of these remains fans extinguished memories back to renewed illuminating life. Like he's <laughs> like the running commentary is is occasionally a little ridiculous, but I kind of love it. It's like a cosmically aware MST3K, except he's actually in the movie. Yeah, but and this is great because but he is picking up on it. And again, this does lend credence to our whole this is following directly on. This is actually the the, where we're doing this in sequence is perfect because I think this is really, really great in terms of we're following right on from the end of the infinity relativity. Right. Yeah. Or Thanos. Yeah. That's because that's that was the last thing that happened. Thanos killed himself. Thanos killed himself. Adam got taken by Bulgar. And so when he says, yes, I feel deeply that the Titan's demise is strongly connected to my own strange memory loss. Again, this lends credence to the theory that we are witnessing something following directly on from the end of that uh, graphic novel. Yeah, no, I would I would agree. Just the question is, where is it taking place? Because even if Adam is captured, if he does have that power, he still could have complete knowledge of what's going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that could be why he's having memory problems, not just for whatever they're doing to him, but the fact that he was captured and put have that little brain blocker put on him could be interfering just enough to have him not fully remember what is happening. Right, exactly. So he decides so. to investigate further, and again, with him <clears throat> leaning into this omnipotence, I, 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 I'm really entertained by that part of what's going on because I am man. I demand an immediate answer to this dire query. Apparently, for me, demand and satisfaction are now but different sides of the same coin. He's like he's really leaning into this whole. I'm wishing for it. I shall. I shall have it. <laughs> yeah, and he's going. I mean, now based on what you'd seen before, there doesn't there isn't we don't know if, how much of a connection there is to what he's seeing. But I mean, because we know from that graphic novel, Thanos killed himself because of Annihilus, because he was trapped there forever. And therefore, that was his only escape, was to die. Adam's going with, well, if something was able to kill Thanos, maybe something is killing other great powers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we'll have to see if there's any, if, what the connection is, because as we know, that wasn't happening before yet. You know, they were, you know, that wasn't the same reason that Thanos died. Right, right, right. But we will see, because the first thing it brings him to is Galactus. Right. And we get that cover, you know, we get that scene that, I, you know, that gets spoiled if you buy the variant cover. Right, the Ron Lim variant cover, but note that on the Ron Lim variant cover, the hole in the clearly fatal hole in Galactus's um, torso is on the other side. Just a little no prize bit of nitpicking there for you. <laughs> yeah, but he is almost like mummified or desiccated. Oh, yeah, he's been dead a while. And he is just dead. And Adam's like, uh, wh- what? What? <laughs> He's like, how? What the hell could do this to Galactus? Yeah, exactly. And if he has suffered such a dark fate, what of those in the general vicinity who are less powerful? That's a good thought. You know, if something like blows up God, then what happens to all the normal people like who happen to be nearby? So he goes to check that out. 
yeah, he goes to check. I don't know. I don't remember this planet. So I'm, I'm, I'm guessing maybe it. I mean, maybe it's appeared before. Uh, Shalhalla is one of the Kree. Yeah, it's one of the Kree kind planets. of like sounds a little bit like Valhalla, really. Yeah, well, I guess it's a very a variation on the name Hal on the planet Hala, which is the yeah. you know main Kree homeworld. Yeah, but yep. yeah, you're right. It does sound like Valhalla as well. I which also kind dig, of works. I also dig on the way he describes the Kree as a troublesome martial society. Well, yeah, they are. And and I'm looking at this, and honestly, my first thought at this image. I mean, it's a very effective image. You've got, but you've got all these like, it's it's a very reddish image, and you've got the city like in flames in these pits. And literally, uh, because my brain is poisoned by my lifelong consumption of pop culture, my literal first thought when I looked at this page was, "Oh, the Gamelons won." <laughs> I was thinking fire pits from Apocalypse. Ah, that's also a good reference. That's also works nicely. The planet is destroyed. It's almost like Galactus ate it because he said the world is drained of life. Yeah, yeah, but he points out the mighty, proud Kree wouldn't have, you know, surrender wouldn't have let this happen to them lightly. So, what could have done this? What could have accomplished this this massive destruction? And his memory is returning in cascading but erratic waves. Well, isn't that convenient? That means we don't get the whole story just yet. But he's, of he's got more coming back. Um, <laughs> we have enough to continue the plot. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. So he goes So he goes, and he's checking out some other planets. And we've got a, a, a Shi'ar world yeah, that is... The Sh- main actual, Yeah, Chandelar. And it's, it's just... It's, a, it's, a, it's destroyed and... And this Everything. one's even more close up. We can see all the dead Shi'ar all over. Yep, yep. And yep. then when they pull out that world, it's like the world is broken. I mean, literally broken in the fact that like there are holes in it. Well, actually, I don't think that's um I don't think I think that's Spartax that that's destroyed. Oh no, that's you're right, because he's on Spartax there now. Right, right. But you're right. It's like the way this is happening, like boom, 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 boom. It does make the flow a little bit um yeah. on the on the unclear side. Yeah, that's right. Until I look back at it, I went, oh, yeah, that's right. That is Spartax. Yeah, Spartax almost looks like someone shot a giant bullet through it. And then he goes to Mord, which is that the um, that the home world of the, uh, uh, oh, God, what are they? The, 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 the lizards dudes that were big in the early 70s. The Oh, oh, them. Um... And, and they were big in the Bendis revival of Guardians of the Galaxy, too. They're, um, God, not Balhoon, but something like that. Um... Badoon. Badoon, the Badoon. So is Mord the Badoon homeworld because the corpses I'm seeing look kind of Badoony. Uh, hold on, I'm trying to look because I had to grab something else to look it up with because right now, because of the technical issues, I would have been looking them up on my phone while recording on the tablet, but the tablet's gotcha. off and I'm recording on the phone. So let's see, Marvel. What's it called? Mord? M-O-O-D. Yep, yep, yep. The, that is the that is actually if I, now it's coming back to me. I actually just looked it up, and it is coming back to me. The Badoon, yeah, remember right. they have they have a brotherhood and a sisterhood. The brotherhood is uh, lives on, on the planet Mord, while the sisterhood resides on the Badoon homeworld of Lotiara. Yes, first appearance, Guardians of the Galaxy number thirty-two from January nineteen ninety-three. There you go. So that would have been the original version of the Guardians uh, of the series that was started by Jim Valentino, although this would have been after Valentino left to right. form Image. So, but but basically, so so now we've got, we so the Kree, uh, done and dusted. The Shi'ar, destroyed. Spartax, gone. Mord, pummeled. 
Yes. Uh, so there is, so, so it's really, so he's like, okay, something is destroying every, oh crap, earth. So the, no sooner does he think earth, than he does that whole like, hey, I want something, I get something. He blips yeah. to earth, but not quite. He, he surprisingly, he's shocked to find himself on the moon. Why? Why he wanted to go to Earth? Why is he on the moon? Oh no! Yeah, and he's there, and Earth even looks worse than the others. Earth looks like it's just an asteroid. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a giant like, asteroid. Basically, it's a giant chewed up, incomplete. It kind of bunch looks of to me. It looks to me almost like what Earth might have looked like billions of years ago as it was coming together. You know what but, I mean? Like it's almost formed. But it's not fully formed oh, as a I, planet. I did not notice this the first time I read through the issue, but I'm noticing it right now. It like it is clearly like the continents. You look you look at the the, the shape of the continents or North and South America is mm-hmm. visible because that would be like what the what the what take all the water away and that's kind of what it would look like, right? Yeah. Yeah. The planet is so destroyed there is no water left. It is just the it is just barren rock. But yeah, that is I didn't notice that till just now. But yeah, that is pretty cool the way you can see the continents there. Yeah, I didn't I didn't pick up on that the first time through. So he's like he's like, wait a minute, I was just here and it didn't look like that. Oh, am I slipping through time again? Like, man, like this really is this really is like, man, you are just having the worst day ever. No memory. You were like maybe slipping through time. You're maybe omnipotent for all the good it does you. The universe is like falling apart around you. It's like this is one of the like really when you when you put yourself in this warlock's shoes for for a second or two, he really is having like the absolutely no good, very bad, worst day ever. Well, and that would probably go with the art there on the page. As he's looking at Earth, you can see behind his head there's like all these like little effects of his head like Almost yeah, like a psychedelic uh, effect going down the page. And I don't know if this is an intentional thing or not, but as it goes down, that hair gets white. You know, it looks like him, but the hair gets whiter and the skin gets more purple. Oh, that's uh, that is an interesting um, reference to another uh, type of warlock, perhaps. Exactly. So I'm wondering if that's going to have something to do with this. Well, we shall see. We shall see. So, I, mean, as we know, I mean, as we know, what if he has ultimate power? So, so yeah, it could be. But he's getting frustrated for all that, the potential there. He is getting frustrated. Am I destined to blunder around the edges of this galactic tr- catastrophe? So something horrible is and, and, and absolutely apocalyptic is going on. And he is frustrated that he can't get a handle on it. So now he finds himself in a scene well, first, real quick though, he seems to be getting like like you said before, he's conveniently getting memory of you know conveniently at least for the right, story. Right, right, he's right. also conveniently get, getting some control back because he's now before he didn't know how he was slipping through time or how much time was going, and now he's able to tell this is weeks away. Right. Know, this is the not too distant future. This is not him looking in the future because it's one thing if like oh I'm in the future in five billion years from now. Of course, everything's destroyed. The universe is, you know, we're near the end of the universe. These things are gone. These races have died out eventually. It's like, oh, no, this is only weeks away. It's almost like he's like, oh, no, wait, it's only January right now. This is March I'm looking at. Never mind. <laughs> but he, he finds himself in a scene from the Thanos annual. And it's interesting because, you know, this like the, the, the Starlin tight, tight control over his storytelling i kind of love it so this is so he finds himself looking on now this is a scene when the the infinity gauntlet thanos is um 
taking Cosmic Cube Thanos on a tour of his timeline because he not not for any benefit of of the of the younger Thanos, but just because he wants to um just because he wants to figure things out for himself. And he's like, you know, you you can't do anything with this knowledge anyway. So whatever. And and so he's taken him. But he's like, look, I have the Infinity Gauntlet, but the time gem shows me only going this far. Why? And he's like, well, is the time gem flawed? And Infinity Gauntlet Thanos says, no, apparently it only goes this far because there is no more time after this. What? What? And right, that that sort of so like. Oh, you're right. Right. So we have. So and there's three Thanoses there because you have like corporeal cosmic cube Thanos from the mid 70s. You have Infinity Gauntlet Thanos. Um, his tour guide in a more ghostly form. And then you have the avatar that Infinity Gauntlet's Thanos uh, created as a sort of temporal scout to sort of like go ahead and see what he could see. And this is what he sees. Basically, the end of time and him at the end of time standing atop a pile of corpses. Yeah, you're right. Because I because the convenient thing now of the technical issue of the computer where I'm on the phone is that yeah. I can actually get up and walk around. Yeah. So <laughs> I went while you were talking and you, I didn't realize that. So I went over and grabbed my copy of the Thanos Annual mm-hmm. and I'm flipping through it. And yeah, there's that scene of him, you know, after he's with him with the three Thanos, two other Thanoses, and he's watching, looking at himself now with very, uh, for the most part, pretty much the same damage to his costume. Right. And, and right. And Mostly. he does, and, and he doesn't know what he's looking at. So he's like, all he knows is he sees three Thanoses, and Hey, maybe that's triple the chance to get answers. Yeah. This is almost like a scene taking place there. So this actually not almost like this is a scene taking place there that we don't see. So basically in that scene, in that timeline, we have Thanos standing on top of those bodies which is apparently this is about to be the end of the universe and unseen by him. Yeah. yeah, And unseen by him, there are three past Thanoses talking about it, looking at him and conversing Mm -hmm. and unseen by them. Yeah. We got Adam. We got Adam here, you know, having his own little mental breakdown thing. I'm going to have to reread this annual later, especially before we do issues three and four, because I was, I forgot how much it tied into this. And I forgot that the annual ends with saying, you know, go read now Thanos, the infinity, you know, relativity. No wonder it's connected and collected in that, in that collection. I thought it was just there just like, yeah, throw the annual in too. I forgot about that. Yeah. I assumed it had something to do. So I read it before I read issue one of this. And at the time I, after issue one, I thought what you thought, eh, it was just in there cause it was a Thanos thing and they had nowhere else to throw it. And then after reading this and coming across the scene and realizing what a callback to the annual it was, I was like, Oh, that's so cool. Now, does it reprint the Thanos versus Hulk mini? No, no. The Infinity Entity Collection is Thanos Annual and then Th- uh, Infinity Entity 1 through 4. That's oh, Okay, okay, okay. Because it just has that little in-between stuff. I'm wondering if they might do an omnibus or something at some point. Like all three graphic novels plus the this miniseries plus the Thanos vs. Hulk miniseries well, plus the annual. Because yeah, that all that- is one story. And the annual did reference that something that Thanos alluded to in dialogue in the annual would become clear in December when Hulk number seven goes on sale. And I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, Savage Hulk. Yeah, which actually ended up becoming Hulk, Thanos versus Hulk. Ah, there you go. 
that go. Savage Hulk was the title that came out where it was basically supposed to be the Hulk version of Batman Legend of the Dark Knight. You know, where it was going to be different story arc stories about the Hulk by different creative teams right, at different right. time periods. Yeah. And that was going to be a Jim Starlin written Hulk story that took, you know, that involved Thanos. But for whatever reason, and I know that title didn't last very long. It's one of those books that Marvel had that, you know, they had a period of time where, like they would have these books come out and they kind of would just stop. Like no one, there was no announcement. There was no cancellation. They just kind of stopped coming out. And that was one of the titles. It just kind of stopped coming out. And instead, we had a Thanos vs. Hulk miniseries. Which I have not yet read, but eh, we'll get there when we get there. Yeah. So, yeah, I did that a while ago. I didn't realize, because at the time, I didn't realize it was going to be part of this. I thought it was just a, okay, Thanos vs. Hulk, whatever. Right. So, so anyway, the, the, white, the white light consumes everything except Warlock. And again, like, like why, why, why? So... Yeah. And and he he speechifies a little more, and then finally he finds himself in the presence of. Well, yeah, because he also well actually real quick because he's in that white space of nothingness, and then there's like a little teleport hole that opens up for him. He's like, oh, okay, well there's something here. That's I guess I'll go to see what this is. He senses it to be an invitation, a summons he cannot ignore. And yeah, that brings him to almost basically the scene from Infinity Gauntlet where you have all the cosmic powers there ready to fight Thanos. Now, this is interesting to me because on the one hand, on the one hand, he says uh, the supreme beings of this actuality ever since the living tribunal was slain by a band of beyonders. I'm going to assume that is a Secret Wars reference because I haven't full. I read parts of it, but I haven't had a chance to actually dive into the hickman avengers secret wars and i i know that's something i want to if i'm going to read it i want to read all of it um i have i actually did uh warning hickman is massive and heavy and slightly psychedelic yes and you may Uh, you may be aware of this from other like big runs he's done oh uh, i've read secret warriors and most of shield i gotta go back and try and get those last two issues right so so when hickman does so i went I went and I read um, when he took over Avengers and new Avengers. Oh, and I read a and lot it, of his Fantastic Four run too. Right, and so that the Fantastic Four run. This is so if you if you get from that like how like heavy and long term and mm-hmm. like it, it, it's it's not like hey you know villain of the month kind of stuff. It is like hey I am telling a epic, um, massive like cosmic scale story here so buckle up and come along for the whole ride so you've got so basically you've got um avengers and new avengers uh both written by hickman and if you read those and if you read them in the correct order which they only recently put out um omnibuses of basically avengers by by uh, jonathan hickman um that puts all of the issues in like the right order to read them and absorb the story. So I would recommend if not getting those collections, at least finding out the order that the stories are in, in those collections. So, but anyway, and then that goes right into secret wars. So you read that and you get the whole sort of epic story. And I will say, I read that whole thing and I do not remember the, uh, living tribunal getting, uh, getting, uh, 
killed by a bunch of Beyonders, so that might be something else. But oh, that maybe not. I know there was something about that, and I also know there was something. See, there's something also happened in the Ultimates, not the original version of the Ultimates from the Ultimate Universe, but the Ultimates that came out after Secret Wars. Right, that right, had the right, Cap- right, right. Yeah, Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel, and uh, Blue Marvel, and uh, Monica Rambeau, whatever her name was at the moment. Uh, yeah, Photon or whatever. And Photon or Spectrum. Yeah, wasn't um wasn't uh like the re the rebooted star brand in there as well maybe i don't if so maybe i didn't get i didn't get it i haven't got to the point where i finished off the series right i know because i know at that point they made galactus the life bringer okay but anyway uh so, but anyway, so maybe it was there so i'm looking at this collection and i don't recognize everybody in it so okay i recognize start. order in chaos and i recognize yeah, so we're gonna go Eternity. from left on so left do you right. want to go from left to right then we'll go from left to got, right so we've got yep. order in chaos yeah, the big, the, the big floating heads. Right. Then I don't know who the man and the woman are. Love and hate. Oh, that's love and hate. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And then we have a celestial of some kind. Yes. Which I, I don't. Which one? Okay. And then the 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 yellow with the that's with the black lines. That's infinity. I wasn't a hundred percent sure. Then you've got eternity. Yep. And then you've got death. Yep. And then you've got uh, Eon. Who we or remember. Epic. Oh. So I thought it was Eon from our from our our, our friend from our time back in uh, Captain Marvel in the early seventies. Well, but remember, in Quasar, he dies. Ah, no, I did not remember that. I oh yeah, he died. He died in Quasar. Ah, interesting. And then he had, a, but his child came out. Epic. Oh, okay. Or, Ep- in, or epic or epoch. E p o c h. I never know how to pronounce that word. Yeah, epoch. Epoch. Yeah. Okay. Epoch. That was his child. So I'm not sure. Now, Epoch, of course, at the time looked very childish because it was a child. It had more like it looked very much like Eon, but had like a child face. But he can look whatever he wants. I'm sure. Right, exactly. And then we've got a Watcher. I don't not sure if it's Uatu, but it is a Watcher. Yeah. And then we have a Traveler. The Traveler. The Traveler. The Stranger. Those right, right. The Stranger. And then all the way in the background, it kind of looks like the Inbetweener, but it also kind of looks like the Beyonder. He has hair. Hair in that coat, and those yeah. are both like sort of beyonder signifiers to me. Because I'm going back to the first page, yeah. Because the because the in betweener kind of wears more like a like a karate outfit, yeah, a like karate a gi. gi, a karate gi, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And this looks more like you're right. It's more like a sport coat or something, it's, or not a sport a, coat, a, but it's like a, it's a jacket. It's like it's like a a a, a, a bla- like a blazer and like a sort of '70s jacket with the cool collar. Exactly. Well, I don't know if that's a beyonder thing because the hair is not Jerry currently big enough. You know, it doesn't have enough of a fro. <laughs> it's not popped out enough. And that jacket is not ostentatious enough to be the beyonders. Well, it's something is up with it anyway. And I, I, <laughs> I, know, I do not saying, understand it's, what it's I am too, looking. It's too. I was just saying that those things is like it's too subtle for the beyonder. <laughs> All I know is I don't know what I, I do not understand what I am looking at here. So. Um, yeah. so, and then on the final page of the issue, we basically, you know, he, he, uh, warlocks like, why have you called me here? What do you want? And they're basically like, we would very much like you to not destroy like everything, please. If, yeah. if, if, if you, if, if you could see your way clear to not, uh, uh, ending destroying all that there is, uh, that would be great. So we really would appreciate it if you didn't do that thing. Yeah, please stop killing everything and destroying everything. And Adam's like, me? What? Who? Me? And next, answers. And I'm like, really? I Why do I doubt that, Starlin? Why yeah. do I feel like you are lying to me? 
I don't know. It's reminding me a bit of a Doctor Who right here. Uh, the end of the first season with Matt Smith. Really? The Pandora opens and the Big Bang, yeah, where yeah. the universe is being destroyed, and all of a sudden you have every one of his villains, his, you know, the enemies are together, and they're like, yeah, we figured it out. It's you doing this, so we're here to save the universe from you. Yeah, no, now that you say that, I, he's remember like, what? That. I, I hadn't watched he's, that in a while, but you're right. You're right. And he's like, uh, who? What now? Um, <laughs> Wait, me? Yeah, it's like, I think you, you're mistaken here. Hold on. And they're like, no, 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 we're right. It was you. And we're here to stop you. That, that, yeah, awesome, awesome. So that a good, good, good reference there. I wonder if Starlin was aware of that. Either way, it's it's a hell of a cliffhanger ending, and I'm definitely coming back. I mean, I'm coming back anyway because you asked me to. I'm coming back yeah, for issue I'm three. To figure oh. out which celestial it is. I'll have to look up later when I can actually look up pictures of them. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at right now. There's no pictures, but there is one listed known as the blue celestial. Ah, which is the first celestial with a document of birth. So, I mean, right now that's my guess of who it is because, well, he's very blue. <laughs> that he is. That he but is. But that is him or not, I'm hopefully going to figure it out before we record issue three, episode yeah, for issue three, because I don't know, and I need to find pictures. I need to find things of pictures so I can see whether he looks like him or not. But I'm going with that one for now, the blue celestial. Okay. Well, it's as good but, a guess as any. But yeah, so I'm wondering if that's what's going to happen, if it's going to be so much of a, it's going to be like that Doctor Who one where they're not listening to, they don't talk, it's just kind of like, attack! Somehow I believe, I'm, I'm somehow I'm going to guess that the questions that you and I have regarding the identity of the Beyonder looking in-betweener and the identity of the Celestial are not among the answers that Starlin is promising us for the next issue. Well, the Celestial, probably not. The, the in-betweener, perhaps, because I mean, he was a major facet of this issue. It also needs to be pointed out, well, if you're me, it needs to be pointed out that we've kind of come full circle in just this one issue. This issue began with uh, Warlock being confusingly confronted by an eternal being, and it ends with him being confusingly (laughs) confronted by a whole bunch of eternal beings. So fascinating. Like we've in a way we've sort of come full circle within this issue. We end as we began. Exactly. All reality is threatened. All universes will be deleted. What? And you've come to me for help? No! We will save the universe from you! From me? All projections correlate. All evidence concurs. The Doctor will destroy the universe. No, no. No, you've got it wrong. The Pandarica was constructed to ensure the safety of the Alliance. A scenario was devised from the memories of your companion. A trap the Doctor could not resist. The cracks in time are the work of the Doctor. It is confirmed. No, 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 not me, the TARDIS. And I'm not in the TARDIS, am I? Only the Doctor can pilot the TARDIS. Please, listen to me. You will be prevented. Total event collapse every summer supernova every moment in history. The whole universe will never have existed. Please listen to me. Seal the Pandorica. No, please listen to me. The TARDIS is exploding right now and I'm the only one who can stop it. Listen to me. Anyone hear us? This is Trey Lawson. And I'm James Hickson. Anyone can hear this broadcast. 
We need your help. We've been kidnapped and imprisoned in a tomb by this creepy old undertaker named Mr. Gravely. And he's forcing us to review his collection of Marvel horror comics. Stuff like Tomb of Dracula. Werewolf by Night. Man-Thing. Ghost Rider. And so much more. If you can hear this, please contact our families. Tell them we can be found at... You can find James and Trey every other Wednesday at the Tomb of Ideas, a Marvel horror podcast. See you there, Tomb Believers. <laughs> Before we get to the Friends and Enemy segment, let's cover our feedback. And this time we are talking about the feedback from episode 117, The Final Threat in which we have Brian and John here to talk about Avengers Annual number 7. And yes, I am talking about both parts of 117, A and B. On Facebook, we got likes and shares from GeekPod, Joe Sedano, Derek William Crabb, Michael Lane, Darren and Ruth Sutherland, Hal Jordan, Clifford Alvarez, Chris Armstrong, Paul Showens, Gene Hendricks, Caleb Alexander McKenzie, and Jesse Starcher. On Twitter, we got likes and retweets from Nexus of All Realities, Connor McKenna, Last Sons of Krypton, David Finn, Into the Night, Spider-Woman Daily, by Spider-Woman, September 23rd, Adeline Rising Podcast, Twin Toys and Sometimes Jokes, Trans Lesbian Planet Eater, Jeffrey Brown, Cable Says Vote Like Your Life Depended On It, Jason Snick Venable, John Reads Comics, Brian Z Probably Disagrees With You, Bob Moriarty, We Are Venomaniacs Podcast, Karen Walker, Steve Sellers, Chet, The Daily Rios, Longbox Review, Philip Stropsire, Secret Wars and Beyond Podcast, Glowing of Iridescent Rainbow Fire, The Mute Menace, BLM, Carlos Reeves Rivas, KSC GSF Podcast, that's King Size Comics, Giant Size Fun, Rancid Sam, hashtag Black Lives Matter, Patrick R. Carey, Bill, Van Allen Plexico, Gary Mooney, Ward Hill Terry, Timothy D. Ayers, Comics in the Golden Age, Conan the Librarian, Tim Price, the Podcrasher, Alex Thompson, and Shifter D98. Also, since I've forgotten to do, do this the last few episodes, let's thank a few more of the people who follow us on Tumblr. Those people are Corpse Without a Soul, Virtual Calzone Lamp Opera, Exactly Swag Basement, 72 Degrees and Sunny, and J Dub Blog. Well, the names are weirder, but at least I can pronounce them. So, I'll take it. Speaking of Tumblr, yes, we have a Tumblr page. We have a couple of different things on social media. You can follow us and talk to us or, or just like the episodes. So we have a Tumblr page, resurrectionsadamwarlock.tumblr.com. On Facebook, just type in Adam Warlock or Thanos in the search box. We'll pop up. On Twitter, we're at AdamThanosPod. We post new episodes there. You can talk to us about comics, not just the cosmic ones. We'll talk of all kinds. Speaking of other comics, don't forget the other podcast I'm on. L-E-G-I-O-N-P-O-D-Cast, in which we cover the late 80s, early 90s DC sci-fi comic, Legion. That's the acronym, one with the acronym, hence the acronym title. Since episode 119 came out, we had two episodes of this show, because Legion Podcast is a weekly show. So episodes 16 and 17 have been out. You can find that on the Legion of Substitute Podcasters feed, and there'll be a link for that in the show notes. And finally, don't forget, this show is part of The Collective. The Collective is a network, but only the loosest sense. Uh, it's a bunch of podcasters who are basically just trying to network together, promote each other's stuff, help encourage each other. You can find us on Twitter. Just go to the hashtag, TheCollectiveNet. 
And there's also a link to the collective shows on the show notes. All right. Friends and enemies, here we go. And now it's time for our friends and enemies segment. And just in case this is your first episode or you just got bopped on the head recently and forgot, in the friends and enemies segment, well, Adam and Thanos don't normally have their own books. So we're usually talking about some other title in the main segment of the show. Over here in this segment, what we do is we just check on check up on those other titles and just see where they are at currently. And right, right now, since we're covering Infinity Entity number two, and that is a weekly book, we are just talking about whatever else came out on March 16th, 2016. But as usual, I'm not alone because then I'm just talking to myself and sounding crazy. So from Honeysuckle Rose Creations and also a frequent contributor to the Rattelich and Broadcasting Network shows, we have Alexis Henya. How you doing, Alexis? Hey, doing well. Uh, happy to be here. And the important thing I just realized, did I pronounce your name right? Uh, it's technically Haina. There's no uh, Y sound in the last name. Haina. Okay. But if it makes you feel any better, it took Mark well over a year before he started pronouncing my name right. So, <laughs> Not surprised. Yeah, that's what I get for coming from a Czech background. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's from Florida, so. That too. <laughs> And that's my excuse. I'm in Florida, so. Oh no, the joke I was making. It's like my my ancestors came from the Czech Republic. My husband came from Romania. No one's ever going to be able to pronounce either of our names. We're anti-vowel. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. All the vowel hate. We're going to hear more about honeysuckle rose at the end, but first, let's get to the books. And right now, we just have two to talk about. They're out this week. So first up is Captain Marvel number three, Rise of the Alpha Flight Part Three, by Michelle Fasakas, Tara Butters, Chris Ankh, and Felipe Smith, covered by Chris Ankh. Captain Marvel's powers are on the fritz, and the timing couldn't be worse. All evidence says that Alpha Flight has a traitor in their midst. How will Carol and her crew figure out the origins of the mystery ship when they can't even trust each other? Ooh. <laughs> so. I mean, so what do you think about this one? Artwork was absolutely amazing. I love the designs of Carol flying all over, punching the meteors. The uh, way they're able to actually get the third-person perspective of her flying between the stones with the ships in the background. Always impressive. I'm also glad that they were able to give a little bit more character to Alpha Flight and to her commanders and such. When you read stories like this, you always get scared that they're going to fall into the traps of, oh, and she's under the gruff commander who doesn't trust her and everything she says is wrong and blah, blah, blah. But they actually... You know, managed to give, I believe her name is Brand, a lot yes. more character. She she doesn't like Carol, but she is not, you know, an idiot. She is not this the stuck in her ways commander who doesn't want to listen. And I'm real I was so glad to actually see them do that. It was it was quite a relief. Yeah, no, though I, I like the fact they brought in Alpha Flight and Brand because too often you get these characters who don't show up all the time. And most of the time when they're gonna use them, it's just we need someone to die. Yeah. Let's bring them in, which, in fact, they used, I believe, in the first few issues of New Avengers, they did that with Alpha Flight. I mean, they got better, obviously, but... <laughs> I'm also going to just say this. Whoever designed Alpha Flight's Canadian liaison, yeah, you know that they just uh, copied Trudeau. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, was like, I, I flipped over the page, I'm like, oh, sweet Jesus, could you have made it any more obvious, people? <laughs> My only problem with the Alpha Flight was Aurora looked too much like most of the other characters. 
there wasn't anything setting her apart that half the time I was like, oh, that's Aurora. I forgot she was in this. I agree. I understand that they want them all to wear similar uniforms. That makes sense. But it would have been better if they'd given her something a little bit more that pops. More than once, I got her and uh, I think it's Wendy confused. Yeah. Yep. In the end, in the end, the only thing that really sets them apart is that Wendy's got a ponytail. Yeah, and Aurora has the hair covering half her face. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if she's going to be one of the main team of the people that are being used for, you know, fighting and stuff, there should be at least a little something signifying that. Agreed. I mean, because at least Sasquatch and Puck are visually very different. Absolutely. You know, and plus, Puck's also always awesome. I mean, Puck's oh. always so much fun. Oh my god, I died when they went into the aliens. So it's like, Alpha Flight doesn't puke. Three panels later, I retract that statement. <laughs> it's like, I don't like being watched. You have, you have, are you have secrets you're hiding? Always. <laughs> like, yes. He's so much fun. Yeah, I love it. It's like, can I get this autograph for my sister? Pause. It's for me. Yeah. <laughs> that was the cutest thing ever. But yeah, I love when they bring them these characters in. They have a use for them, so they can still use Alpha Flight for other things. Mm-hmm. You know, and Brand because I like Brand since they introduced her was at Astonishing X Men back when Joss Whedon's run was he created her, I believe. I'm still trying to figure out how those glasses were holding onto her head. Uh, alien tech. Okay, fine. It's magic. Yeah, basically same thing. Mm-hmm. Now Brand was Brand was a good addition too, and it was a nice. That's a nice little mix of throwing things in. You got Captain Marvel from the Avengers. You got Alpha Flight. You got a character, a supporting character from X-Men. And you can still throw them all in together. Mm-hmm. And they all work very well. I, en- I enjoyed this one. I had fun with this. I did, too. I've got a lot more back reading to do on future ep- or future um, uh, pieces on it. Because I, unfortunately, have not been able to keep up with Civil War uh volume two as it were and obviously the storyline is going to have a lot of that so it essentially comes down to okay let's get all the side issues and let's get them in order yeah i haven't even got up to civil war two yet (laughs) yeah it's it's like when somebody says okay i want to start watching the Arrowverse on cw where do i start i'm like oh dear god well it's kind of like well how much do you need to know you know, can I give you the 30 second wrap, you know, thing? Like if you just want to start Flash, can I just give you the 30 second thing of what happened to him before and go from there? Or do you need to see everything? Because Yeah, Mark had me review the latest season of Supergirl and season one of Batwoman. And there were multiple times where I said I didn't watch that episode because it was dealing with another crossover continuity event that I have not had time to follow on it. So don't ask me. <laughs> Yeah, that's one dis- that's one downside of them mixing everything in together. At least like Black Lightning, for instance, up until recently, you're like, I could just watch Black Lightning and not care about anything else. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Crossovers are always fun. And apparently this is still going on recently, the the whole Alpha Flight thing, because I was reading uh for a, a background for something else I'm doing that's coming up eventually. I was reading the first six issues of the current run of Avengers. Mm-hmm. And she still has Alpha Flight with her. Very so cool. So she's still part of it. So apparently that's still happening kind of makes me laugh because my first adi- uh, introduction to alpha flight was from the x-men uh, animated series so when i think alpha flight i don't not necessarily think these great space heroes i think a bunch of very bizarre canadian mutants yeah well this is definitely a little different thing for them but i like it it gives them mm-hmm. a, it gives them a, a, a different niche at least than just being the heroes of canada <laughs> 
you know, at least it gives them a purpose. Yeah. And I like it. All right. Well, anything else on Captain Marvel? I highly recommend checking it out, guys. It's really good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I read the first, I mean, I, it was a while ago, but I did read like the first six or seven issues up to the Civil War stuff. Yeah. So not I did mention, like the initial. Not, not to mention, Carol and Rhodey are such an adorable couple. That's right. I forgot they're a couple. Mm-hmm. I really haven't seen much of the stuff with them as a couple yet. And I think they kind of imply that in Endgame a bit. A little bit, but she spends, or uh, I'm sorry, Rhodey spends more time actually with Nebula. And in Endgame, there's actually a little bit more, of, I don't want to say chemistry, but they do have a really great moment when they're getting. Um, oh, when they're on Morag? Morag, thank you, yeah. Which I just found out where they got that name from. That's the name of an ancient Cree leader. Ooh, nice. I was reading something that has involves the origin of the Cree, and he was like one of their first leaders. Very cool. Always nice when they actually don't just randomly make up names for it. They actually pulled it from something. That's I like that. Yeah, they either randomly make up name or they just mix up the letters of one of the publishers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You and what army? Funny you should ask. Alpha Flight. Forget it, Vindicator. You can send every mutant in Canada after me. I ain't coming back. International Iron Man number one by Brian B. Bendis and Alex Maleev. Cover by Alex Maleev. Who is Tony Stark, really? Since learning that he was adopted as a baby, this question has cast a shadow over Stark's life. Now, it's time to uncover what his legacy truly is. A journey that will take Tony, or will carry Tony, into new directions as a man and as a superhero. Alongside his strange new quasi-alley, Doctor Doom. Iron Man will discover new things about the Marvel Universe he didn't know existed before. The character deconstruction from Bendis and Maliev along the lines of their award-winning Daredevil run. This is almost like the blurb for the whole, like, trade. Because that really, half of this isn't really about issue one. Yeah. Because Doom doesn't even show up at all. Yeah, actually, it wasn't until I got, because I read the first seven issues and I was like, wait, Doctor Doom? Wait, is he into seven issues? Because that's all there is. I didn't see Doom once. <laughs> I mean, uh, unless something about the mandroids that Cassandra Giuseppe is commanding are related back to Doom, because Lord knows that Doom loves to make his Doom bots. That's true. But we're mainly concentrating on the first issue here, which was basically just a flashback to Tony in college. Mm-hmm. Which... I was very impressed for one thing. They said it was 20 years ago. Usually they try and have them be in college like five to 10 years ago, barely. They did take uh, quite a huge step with the uh, with the age difference. Absolutely love the artwork. It's got a kind of a fun, sketchy feel to it without coming across as too messy, too angry and angsty. Usually when I see sketchy art style like this, you see it in some like the Silent Hill comics and it's clear that that style is being used. Yeah, just kind of show you how uncertain the time period is, how angsty everyone is, how you really don't know what's going on. It's it's done to give you a very uncomfortable feel. This, however, really works with the style and I appreciated it, although it is so weird to try to imagine. Because, again, after seeing the movies, you always think of Iron Man with Robert Downey Jr. And I'm looking at young Tony Stark with the longer hair and I'm like, "I, I, I can't see Robert Downey Jr. looking like that ever. 
Yeah. I did one thing I liked about the artwork is the way he draws people. You can tell they're both attractive people, but it's not like they're being drawn as like, you know, perfect god gods and goddesses of, you know, gorgeousness. Mm-hmm. She looks like a very pretty, normal person. And he's a very attractive guy, but a normal college student still. Yeah. You know, it's not like you would sit there and go drive by and go, oh, my God, that's a movie star. I do love how they build up him getting tased. It's just like, it's going to happen. Well, I don't know. Nope, it's going to happen. Does it hurt? It probably does. Zap. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I can run away, but that kind of doesn't look good. But neither is getting tased either. So I'm not sure what's the better option. Have you ever been tased? No, I have not. I haven't either. I'm not looking. I'm not really looking forward for that experience. Me neither. I've got friends who are cops and they've all said it sucks. I can imagine. But yeah, I mean, this is good. I mean, you know what you're getting with a Bendis, you know, Bendis. This isn't a big, big action thing. I mean, there is some action in it. But it kind of goes back to his more, his crime noir roots. Bendis is better at writing character dramas than he is massive epics. And I appreciate that greatly. It's good to actually have writers know their strengths and stick to them. Yeah. I mean, like, there is some action in it. But like, like I said, it's more of a... Because, I mean, that's where we started, is, like, doing, like, crime noir series, and that the action we get in it, when you know, since it's back when Tony's in college, is more of that along those lines. Mm-hmm. Go with your strengths. You know, the series will be better if you know what, you're, you, know, you, know what you can do. Terrific animation on the uh, Hydra attack as well. I mean, even just the scene where Tony gets shot in the shoulder and you just see a little bit of a, like, just a little bit of blood uh, coming out. Even that's done very well. Yeah. Now, Alex Maleev is definitely a good artist, so... Mm-hmm. And they do work well together. This is the people who did Daredevil, and that's kind of what made Ben... You know, what's one of the things that made Bendis' name besides Ultimate Spider-Man? That was the whole... Right? Yeah, that was the whole thing with Daredevil, where everyone knew he was Daredevil, but knew it, but they couldn't prove it or something. Something like that. I, I, I hate to say it, after a while, a lot of the stories like that just start to get blurred together. I'm like, wait, which one are we talking about? Yeah, well, everyone likes to screw Daredevil. <laughs> Naturally. Let's kill his girlfriend and out his identity again. (laughs) Yeah, Daredevil officially is the unluckiest member of the uh, Marvel Universe. (laughs) Pretty much. Actually, the unluckiest is anyone he's interested in. Nope, good one. No, no, don't date him. Don't date him. No, bad idea. Bad idea. (laughs) The only one who gets away is Black Widow. Very true. Everyone else? No, 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 you're screwed. Don't yeah. do it. Don't do it. <laughs> Get your own series first. Real quick then, curious, since you read all seven issues, does this, I mean, you said Doom wasn't in here at all, but does this at least give you, like, do you feel like you got a full story out of it? I mean, does it have anything, to, do you actually get to the thing about him and covering his parents and everything? Yes, actually, you do. And the story flows really well. It does a lot. There's a handful of the first few episodes that are actually still dealing with the backstory between him and, uh, Cassandra and it takes a while to really get going but you don't feel like you're being dragged down so many of these stories you know you're like yeah 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 just get to the main plot you're losing focus this moves very nicely very smoothly there's great character development between the two and it really does pay off then when he actually gets he he finds his his birth mother and then she's going to go into the backstory and I will admit, I don't know how much of the backstory she's actually telling to Tony and how much of it is 
the readers are just finding out because it's going through her head. I, mm. I don't think that's made totally clear, but uh, it's still uh, a really great story. Very enjoyable. Oh, cool. Well, I was curious enough to at least read the, read another issue or two at the bare minimum. So, and since there's only seven, I might as well just go through all seven. No, oh, totally. Well, I think that covers the two books. So before we finish off, tell people about Honeysuckle Rose and why they should go there. Honeysuckle Rose Creations is the intersection of geek and chic. We're purveyors of handmade jewelry that are created by repurposing and upcycling old game pieces. We have our wire wrap dice necklaces. We have our earrings that are made from uh, Monopoly and Clue pieces. We have bracelets made from Scrabble tiles. Oh, that's right. I've seen those. Yep. Now, right now, we're in the process of, I would say, kind of incubating for a few weeks. We just got done with our big Labor Day sale. But the holidays are coming upon us. And as much as I want to say, no, damn it, I want to celebrate Halloween first. At the time of this recording, it is only 100 days till Christmas. So Mm. I've got to get the shop ready. Yeah. We're currently working on adding a few more items to the store. We're outlining when we're going to do our big sale. Uh. I will tell you that the plan is at the moment, haven't co- haven't put it in concrete yet, but the plan is that from Thanksgiving until Christmas, for every order that we receive on either of our sites, that's on either Etsy or Handmade at Amazon, we will be donating $5 to Children's Mercy Hospital. We do this every single year. We always oh. look forward to uh, doing a big donation after the holidays to the kids. It's great. And as always, you can find us on Facegram. Facebook, Instagram, <laughs> Facegram. There's a new one. Facebook. You're breaking your own up. <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, and underdress Twitter. And again, you can find our shops on Etsy and Handmade at Amazon. Honeysuckle Rose Creations, the intersection of geek and chic. All right, people. So head on over. Time to get some new, get some ideas for gifts for the holidays. And there will be links in the show notes. Hey there, everyone. I'd like to tell you about the YouTube channel. I am your target demographic. If you're a fan of comics, we have plenty that you'll enjoy over there, including a series called Heroes Like Us that explores comic characters of all sorts of different identities. And we even have a series that defines words that are used in nerd culture that you may not know what they mean. So you can check us out by heading to YouTube and searching I Am Your Target Demographic or look up IAYTD on any social media outlet. Okay. Oh, wow. I, I, I'm so excited about this whole annual, annual thing. I'm, I'm looking forward to rereading that annual now because I'm like, there oh, you I go. forgot all about that. There you go. And everything will make much more sense when we get to issue three or possibly not. You'll have to come back and hear us talk about it to figure it out. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to wait till it's time to record and read both of those things right before it. Yep. Cool. So that way it's fresh. Cool, cool. All right. So that is it for this time. Anything you want to tell people? Any final thoughts, Brian? Anything you want to tell people to go look at? You know, maybe not something of your own, but anyone, anyone um, you, want to pimp, you want to plug or pimp for someone um, else? Um, um, oh, oh, you know, it's funny because I, 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 <laughs> I, I had something um, earlier, and for the life of me now, it has just completely left my brain. So I got nothing. Um, just check out my uh, check out my Twitter feed uh, at k i d c h y r o n kid Chiron uh, for just you know me- random musings on music and wrestling and comic books and baseball. Hey, baseball's back. Professional sports is back. That's a that's a big plus for a lot of people. So if that's your if that's your thing, 
I'm, oh, I'm right the baseball, there. That's right. I heard something about that baseball. I knew basketball was back because they're all they're all trapped down here in Florida. Yeah. So so yeah. <laughs> yep. So uh, uh, baseball is back as well. Um, so that makes me happy. Um, but yeah, uh, go and uh, check out my Twitter feed uh, at Kid Chiron just for you know my 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 random musings on stuff and. Um, yeah, other than that, uh, I, I got nothing right now. So uh, I will just talk to you all the next time uh, when we come back for Infinity Entity number three. Yep, and that should be as long as everything goes right next episode, people. All cool. right, we'll, we'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast, is a fan-made production, and no copyright infringement is intended or happening or even understood. The opening music for this podcast is Intro Pompeii by Lino Rise, and the closing music is Dark and Dramatic by DJ Puzzle. Both are licensed by the Creative Commons license. You can find Lino Rise at free-intro-music.com and DJ Puzzle at peaceloveproductions.com. Links to both can be found on the Tumblr page. Starting recording. Let's see if it works. Uh, yep, I'm getting okay. Al is recording the call. It says so. Okay, well, I guess we'll have to do it this way then for now. Okay, so <laughs> we'll we'll just pick up where we left off and uh, zoom zoom through. <laughs> stupid, Oy. stupid technology. I know. I know. Although, although Why can't... maybe it isn't that stupid. I mean, how? I mean, how quickly was I able to go? Okay, let me do it on this device then. <laughs> That's a fair point, but I think it's far funnier to just think about why can't we podcast like we did in the old days with paper and oh wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. I'm going back. Tin cans and string. Tin tin cans and string, like the like the pod old podcasters used to do. <laughs>